Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship, and we're glad you're joining us today through live streaming. And I just believe we've got a powerful message for you today. God wants to speak to your heart, and I believe he's going to answer your prayers. I do believe that. So we pray for you today and ask God, whatever the need may be, we know that Jesus is the answer, and we pray that you would just uh, trust in, in him, lean in on him, because he is doing great things. And uh, certainly, uh, any chance you can get, you can come by here uh, at Lighthouse Fellowship, 925 3rd Street in Lake City, and come by and join us in uh, person worship. We have a group of people here, and we'd love to have you visit with us, come in, and we want you to feel at home. So where you are today, we pray that God would again speak to your heart and just, just make himself known to you, because we know that that's what we desire. In fact, uh, we know that unless we are filled in that void in our lives with Jesus, we'll fill it with something else. And uh, we want you to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. So as we begin, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. It's a wonderful day in the Lord. Thank you. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. I pray, Father, that all of us got up uh, this morning and said, good morning, Lord, instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning. We just pray, Father, turn it around in our hearts. Change our attitudes, so help us, God. And Father, do things in our lives that we never thought or expected because you're, Lord, a God who is powerful. And Father, you, that you're doing great things on the earth today. And we want to be a part of it. And I pray for every person here in this congregation. And I pray for those who are watching by live stream that, Father, today would be the day of salvation. Today that you would, they would say, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to uh, make him Lord of my life. And because I've messed it up and I need help. So, Lord, we ask you today that you would speak to every person listening, watching and listening. And Father, may your presence surround us all and we'll praise you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at Daniel chapter four, verse 17. We've been looking at the attributes of God and to know God. Once you know him, obviously you'll love him. And you'll depend upon him and you'll want a relationship with him. And so these are some attributes that I believe that are so essential to who God is. And we talked about it over the last two weeks. The first week we talked about that God is gracious and certainly God is full of grace and mercy. He offers grace and mercy to you and I. Grace is obviously unmerited favor. It means we cannot earn the love of God. He just loves people. He loves souls. And then the mercy of God means that we do not get what we deserve. We are sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3, verse 30, 23, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so all of us know we've got things. And you see, Jesus is our burden barrier. He wants to come and take that burden off of you. The things that have been in your life that you've done in the past, or maybe today even, that you are struggling with, God wants to set us free. God wants us to walk with a, a higher step than what we've stepped in the past. And He wants to lift those burdens because He will carry those burdens. And so today, I want to talk about attribute. God is powerful. Now you would say today that, Jim, we know that. But I want to tell you some things today that I believe may open your eyes and help you to have a deeper understanding, not just in your head, but also in your heart about who God is. And so no matter whether or not you're going through a particular issue today or whether or not you are obviously in the future, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but more than likely 
uh, tomorrow or next week or the following week or the next year, we will face challenges in our life. That's what life is made up about. We know that. We have experienced that, don't we? And I want you to know who you can turn to that can take care of the problem, no matter what the problem is. And that is because of God is powerful. And we talked about some attributes that God is, is omnipotent, which means He's all-powerful, okay? He's over all. God Almighty is over all. And we have the wonderful privilege and opportunity to have a relationship with Him. But He's also what's called omniscient, which means He's all-knowing. He knows the beginning and the end. He knows what's going to happen in our lives. He knows what we're thinking. He knows everything about us. And yet He doesn't reject us. He extends grace. He extends salvation and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, even though He knows all of us that way. And we also know that He is uh, certainly overall, and He is with us always, which means uh, his, um, He's omnipresent. Omnipresent. He's with us. He's always with us. It's not like, well, you know, uh, God is in that tree out there. No, He is a spirit. And so Jesus came to show us who the Father is. And, and when the Bible says, Jesus said, you know, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he came to show us who the Father is and what the Father is like. And Jesus had compassion upon people. And, and we know, obviously, he, he was compassionate towards people. We talked about it last week. He extended compassion to us, no matter what our attitude is. No matter whether we're good or bad or whatever we may be, up or down, here or there, He is still, He loves souls and He loves us. Now, He doesn't want us to stay where we are and He will change our hearts. He'll change our attitudes. He'll change our attitudes and our actions and our words, certainly here. But in the midst and in the process of changing us, He never stops loving us. And you got to know that because we all stumble and fall. We all sin. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, he said for all, you know, again, if we have sinned and confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know we'll sin. We will even after we come to Christ. But he never stops loving us. The devil says he's abandoned you, that you've done this one last time and he's tired of you and he's going to wash his hands of you. And that's not true. God never changes. Kind of like I was giving an example in Sunday school this morning about uh, obviously during the service on Friday, one of the daughters said her mother loved her no matter what. And she knew that she could come and share her heart and life with her uh, about it. Whether or not she felt like, hey, I really have messed up or whether or not I was really happy, everything was fine. Still, she was able to come. But you see, the mother's love expressed in unconditional love, obviously, is so wonderful. We know that. But the, our Father, our Heavenly Father, is even greater than that. He loves us unconditional. That is good news because we know we mess up and we don't always get it right. Today, we're going to look at one scripture, Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, and look at what he says. I'm going to read at the beginning. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declared the verdict so that the living may know that, listen, the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone He wishes and sets over them the lowliness of men. So what does that say? That says God is sovereign, which means He is all-powerful. He is over all. He is sovereign. He rules and reigns over all things, over all powers. Remember when Satan was cast out of heaven because he rebelled against God, God obviously cast him down to the earth. And we know that uh, even that, because Satan wanted to become God. Satan wanted worship. He still wants you to worship him. 
And we worship the, the enemy many times when we do things that are contrary to God's will. And sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes we have idols in our lives and God says, I want to be first place in your life. And yet this thing between us, well, no matter whether it's an object or a way of living, a way of thinking or whatever, it takes precedent over God. And what does it happen? It becomes an idol. And God says, I hate idols. Don't put that idol before me. And so we know here that God is all powerful. He's over Satan. Satan has no rule and reign. He is on a leash. When we give him that permission to do certain things, when we sin, yes, there's a release of that. But God still has Satan on a leash. And he can only do what God permits him to do. And so we would all say today, well, God, since he's all powerful, that he can do whatever he wants to do, wherever he wants to do it, and whenever he wants to do it. Wouldn't you agree with that? He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do because he is God. And certainly he has ability, obviously, to do that, certainly, because God's power is infinite limit. It's without limit and inexhaustible. He does whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases and however he pleases, because God is sovereign over governments and nations. So let's look at the big picture here. Then we're going to get it down to a personal touch. The Bible teaches that God is sovereign over the governments of the earth, monarchs, dictatorships, democracies, every world leader from Joe Biden to Vladimir Putin to Queen Elizabeth, each of every one of them, without exception, is under the sovereign power and control of God Almighty, without exception. He, they, he is over those. He obviously is over them in authority. And so everything that's happening in this world, we know God knows about it. And he's over all of those things. And so he is in complete control and he is sovereign here. And so in scripture here in Daniel 4, 17, the most high is sovereign. He rules, remember, over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone that he wishes. And sometimes you wonder, why did he do that? That's the question. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Maybe it will put you at peace by the end of this message, because we sometimes wonder that doesn't look like a good decision here. I mean, why would he put this person in a position? Why would he allow this to happen? Why? It's because he allows free will. We'll talk, discuss that in a moment. minute. If you're wondering, well, God is all powerful. Why doesn't he do this? Why does he just get the world straight here? One day he will. We're studying about it in the book of Revelation. One day that he will. But right now, he allows free choice because you see, love is based upon free choice. If he made us love him, then we would be robots. And it wouldn't really be love, would it? Love is voluntary. And obviously, we know worship, I said, is, is love. And love is expressed, certainly, even when we worship him today. <clears throat> and then in Daniel 4, verse 34 and 35, the word of God says his dominion or sovereignty is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? You must have made a mistake here, Lord. This person here doesn't look like you the right person for that position. You must have messed up. Remember, God is sovereign and he puts people in those places. And I'll be honest, he takes puts people there, but he also removes them when he wants. He's God Almighty. And then in Psalm 22, it says, For dominion belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nation. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, God's power is like the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So in other words, what He's saying here is God's power 
is like the working of his mighty strength when he raised Christ from the dead. How many of you know that it took power to raise Christ from the dead? Christ died at Calvary. He was dead. And they put him there in the grave, in the tomb. And he was dead. He was as dead as anybody was. And on the third day, then God obviously raised him up. And that power of God raised his son up back to life. We're going to celebrate here Easter resurrection here shortly. Won't be here very long. I want to think, reflect upon it and actually maybe study it even when you think about it. Same power raised Christ from the dead, rose him up. There is the power we have within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says this, and he took Christ and he seated him at his right hand, which means right hand symbolic of the hand of power. Jesus, as this says in Romans chapter 8, it says he's ever making intercession for you and me. Intercession is prayer. He's praying for us. He prays for us on, I know, a regular basis, continually. Isn't that good news? Because you feel like that you're all alone and nobody's lifting you up in prayer and nobody has said this or that to you to encourage you. Jesus Christ is our encourager and he prays for us. And sometimes when we wonder how did we go through this trial, how did we go through this adversity like that? And somebody was praying. Many times it's God's people that have been raised up to pray for one another. But we know with all certainty that Jesus is said, according to the word of God, that he's at the right hand of the father, the right hand of power, praying for you and me. And you know, the son of God gets his prayers right every time. Don't you know that every time he does that wonderful blessing? And so God is sovereign over all political structures from nations, to states to uh, counties to cities here. God is sovereign over the United States of America and the Congress and the school boards there, the legislatures, and obviously even the smaller, the state governments. He's over all of those things. And he obviously installs the leaders he chooses and he raises up leaders and brings them down. He installs them and removes them at his pleasure. And whether they're brought into power by a democratic election or armed coup, a popular uh, revolt, a civil war, or by any other means. God ultimately controls who's in charge in every nation, every state, and every city in the world. And you say, why do we vote? <laughs> He's already there. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Because it's important. It's important for a Christian to be involved. Certainly, we need to go. And we need to do that. We need to be prayerful. But we know ultimately that God allows certain things to happen. And you go, well, bad things, if God is good, why do bad things happen to me? There's certain things that he allows to happen. We live in, obviously, a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, then we know, obviously, it brought sin in. It brought death in. Before then, death was not even on the, on the horizon, wasn't on, on the scene. But they brought death in. And we know, obviously, God allows certain things to happen in this day throughout history there. And for people to have a free will or a free choice to make those and, and decide what God wants and to get into his word, and understand his will and to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God allows that, certainly. But in the midst of that, say you didn't pray exactly. You missed something here. God is still in control and he's in control even as we pray that that's the wonderful blessing here. And so does it mean always that the best people win? No. Sometimes the worst people win. But what does it mean is that God plan God's plans always succeed all the time. These leaders are carrying out their their little plans. They're advancing God's purposes. That's hard to grasp. So even though. Their plans may not be 
according to what God would want, then God is working it out for His purposes. That, folks, is a mystery. I cannot explain. But that's who He is. Because we believe He's all-powerful, and He is, and that attribute of God that He is all-powerful is that that never changes. He never changes. He doesn't change and say, well, I've, I lack power today and tomorrow I do. And when things look like they're going really going our way, when things are going, looks like in the opposite direction, his highest purpose are being served here. He obviously, rely, he wants us to pray according to his will, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But sometimes we don't, do we? And sometimes we don't and we mess it up. But God is always working out his highest purposes. And even these people in positions of authority, they may be trying to do the right thing. Uh, they may not care whether or not they're doing the right thing or not. And they may be actively opposing what is right. It doesn't matter. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, willingly or unwillingly, they always end up accomplishing what God had been planning all along. God oversees their works so that they always end up just where He wanted them to be. Now, I know sometimes you feel like, well, does it circumvent God's will? If you do that, you mess up. You know, he can use our sin even, obviously. He can turn it around. Romans 8, 28, it says that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you're a Christian, you're called. You have a calling. So he works everything. Now, we may not see, obviously, the good thing about it. On this side, it may be in heaven when we see it. But he still does that because that's the word of God. And he, can't, he doesn't withdraw the word of God because there are things we don't understand, certainly here. So how does that happen? How is it that these people, these leaders, can make free choices without being coerced in any way and yet always end up doing what God intended? Uh, I don't know, but listen to this. Remember the story of Joseph? Everybody here knows about the story of Joseph. Remember, his brothers were jealous of him because he had a dream about his brothers. One day, his brothers would bow to him, you remember? And what did they do? They wanted to kill him. And what did they do? They took him down and threw him in a well. And all went back and told uh, their father that, uh, you know, an animal ate him or whatever it was that uh, had killed him at that time. Remember that? And remember a caravan going into Egypt picked him up and pulled him out of the well there. And so he went down to Egypt, obviously, and God gave him favor with Pharaoh, the top leader there. And Pharaoh really liked Joseph. And remember, he wound up and Joseph went through some really bad things between you read the story about it. But but at the end is that eventually he wound up as second in command in Egypt. Now, did, did, did his brothers intend for this to happen? No. His brothers intended to kill him, to get him out of the way. And what did God do? He took that bad circumstance and he turned it around. And eventually, as he turned it around in such a way that actually he became second in command in Egypt. I read a book years ago. It's called Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. And it's by a man named uh, Jerry Bridges. He was a part of the Navigator uh, evangelists uh, have gone through. It's a book that uh, obviously I've just clung to. And I remember a story he said. And he said this, because sometimes, you know, in the marketplace, we've all been in, in business or we've worked in the marketplace. We, we're, we're there and, and we're worried about our job and so forth and all that. And I want to assure you right now that that person, if you're doing a good job now, you're doing a good job and you're doing all you can. You may not obviously be doing the best job. Maybe somebody else could do a better job than you do. But you're doing, you're, you're moving along. And, and, and all I want to tell you, boss can't fire you without God's permission. You believe that? The boss cannot fire you without God's permission. And so he is over all right. He's over that leader in your life. That sounds absurd, doesn't it? 
And you think, golly day, you know, uh, what in the world? I mean, how is that? Well, God has a purpose. You want to do God's will? He said that nothing can touch you unless it's sifted through my hands. Can't do it. You remember uh, my story about my testimony. I've told it many times. Uh, I was uh, in a manufacturing plant over here in Pearland, and I was uh, actually almost at the top of, uh, of the particular manufacturing plant of steel fabrication. We fabricated cranes, friction cranes and hydraulic cranes and so forth, and uh, not uh, actually water, bu uh, water buckets and so forth that dredges that go on cranes that they scoop up, you know, out of the, uh, say, for example, the bay or whatever it may be buckets and so forth and and then traveling was called traveling water screens and the water screens were put in front of the of the inlets of like for example hlmp and the water would come in and it would filter out whatever it was coming into the into the system there and it would actually it was environmentally friendly because it had buckets on it that would take the fish that hit it and lift the fish out and put them back into the, uh, the the water out there and so forth but it kept the water and that's what i fabricated it had a good reputation uh, new manufacturing. I had been a welder. I learned to weld. I was a supervisor welder. I did all this stuff. I have a, a business management degree and all that. I had, had a good reputation. Everything was going fine. Nothing was wrong with the company. And one morning there in February of 1986, the president of the com company called me in and said, Jim, I'm going to lay you off. And I looked at him and I thought, well, nothing's wrong as far as financially with the company. We're not in trouble. And he looked at me like he really didn't know what he was doing. And I said, uh, well, praise the Lord. And he said, what? And I said, nothing. I'm all right. I'm, I'm good. He said, turn your keys in. I had a truck, everything. Things were going well. Okay. The Lord has spoken to me on Sunday. This happened on Monday. The Lord has spoken to me on Sunday and said this. He said, are you still going to love me if you lose your security? And I went, what? What? Well, the next morning at 10 o'clock, I knew why I heard what God spoke to my spirit, man. Okay, went home, told Cindy I've been laid off and all she was teaching in Pearland and all and stuff. And uh, I thought, what in the world is going on? And so during that time, he called me back three days later and said, basically, I want you to come back to work because everybody said, what in the world did you do? You see, God had a plan. And and, and obviously, uh, he said, I want you to come back to work for me. And I said, no, God's, I didn't tell him this, but I knew God was up to something. I didn't want to disrupt it. I thought it was for a bigger job and more money. That's what I thought. Well, little did I know that was not the case. He took that bad circumstance and that was on my route, my journey to go into ministry. And God began to deal in my life. A man came in and said, I want to help you. He was in that from Alvin and he was selling what it's called order conditioners. And I, uh, he said, I want you to, you know, financially. He was in the church that we were in at the time. Wanted you to be able to, you know, sell this. You can go door to door. You can make money on this, Jim. You can make money like crazy. And so I started going from door to door in all over, Friendswood, Pearland, Alvin, and so forth, and going to door to door. And I couldn't sell anything. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I couldn't do anything. Because you had to keep your test tubes clean and all that to show how dirty the water was. And I kept them sparkling clean. I did everything by the book. I couldn't, nobody, they go, Jim, I like this, but I really don't want to purchase it at this time. And the guy that was obviously hired me, my friend, brother in Christ, he's a Christian and all that, he would go in there and he would sloppily go through the presentation and his test tubes were so dirty and so forth. And the people would say, I'll take one, I'll take one. And I look and I'd go, what in the world? Nobody will buy anything from me. 
And so as it turned out, eventually, there were things that were happening. When we ran out of money, we go to the mailbox, open the mailbox, there'd be a check, be a, a bill in there from somebody. No names on it. People gave me gave us what we needed. We were taken care of. Cindy worked. I uh, worked uh, part time, you know, with Paraland School District and so forth. But I didn't know when that took place. I got completely, you see, it was not good in a sense. But God used it, you see. So when God, when allows something in your life, remember this always, he's in control. And you may not understand it. And I want to encourage you, don't ask what's going on here and how are you going to work it out, Lord? Because I want to tell you, he probably won't tell you. I was crying out to the Lord. I just got on my knees. I was crying, just crying. And I got a book and it was entitled Waiting on the Lord because I felt like I must be waiting on the Lord, you know. Well, yeah, we're all waiting on the Lord because one day God will call us home. But I was waiting on the Lord and I was crying out. I was in tears. I cried. I was so depressed because nothing was happening. And then things began to turn around. And then I understand, stood that God had a plan. Because why? He's all powerful. Don't ever forget that. He can work your circumstances out. Obviously, God will make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. He works in times where our backs are up against the wall and it doesn't look like there's any way out. How many of you know that? Obviously, I like, I love just smooth sailing. It's coasting through life. But I don't know about you if you found this out yet or not. But life is not a coasting thing. Right? It's not, is it? God is superintending history so that even the plans of ungodly leaders will ultimately end up accomplishing God's purpose in a way that we can't understand. God is fulfilling His good and perfect, wise will in and through people that you never think. You go, man, I don't really like that guy. He rubs me the wrong way. Or that gal. They rub me the wrong way. And you go on. But if you look and see, and you begin to really allow God to speak to you, you find out that somehow God is working something in your life that you can't even explain. And He's using circumstances and people that you never thought that He would use because He's sovereign. Because He's good all the time. So, what does that mean to us? Why should we care that God is sovereign over the nations? Well, first of all, what is true, again, of presidents and nations is true for us. The same thing. He is over the events in our life. Even if others intend to harm you or mistreat you, ultimately God's purpose will be accomplished there. Can you believe that? You've been had some sharp words spoken to you before. Has somebody betrayed you? Has somebody lied about you? Has somebody obviously not spoken very highly of you and gossiped about you? Whatever it may be. Do you know that God is in control? Now, I'm not saying don't, don't go around gossiping because it's God, gossiping is a sin, okay? But even God can use that. And God can use that in a powerful way. Again, we know that all things God works for the good of those who love Him are called according to His purpose because God is powerful. He's able to work these things out. Everything that comes into our lives has a purpose, a good purpose, if we belong to God through Christ. A good purpose. We talked about in Sunday school. He wants to bless us. And you think, well, some of the circumstances don't look like that. But remember what he's doing. If he's overall and he doesn't allow anything in our lives except what's sifted through his hand, he has to allow it. Then what does that mean? Then he wants to use it as a blessing to us. Now, that's just I don't understand that. That's a mystery how he does that. 
But it's true, obviously. I know that it's one thing to stand here and read the verses. It's another to believe that God is really in control here when the bottom's falling out of your life. When everything looks bleak. When nothing, it looks like your prayers are off the brass ceilings and it's, they're coming back at you. When everything looks like it's going the opposite way. Especially, let me tell you, because it seems like sometimes that trouble comes in threes. Boom, 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 right? Doesn't it? <laughs> Everybody knows, right? And there's one thing after the other. Because if it's only one thing, you can kind of like get through it possibly and catch your breath. But when one thing comes and then another comes, it seems like, what is going on here? You see, as a child of God, God is all powerful in our lives. And He doesn't allow anything to happen in our lives that He's not aware of, that He can work in our lives. You see, did Joseph think, anticipate someday he would become the prime minister of Egypt? No, he didn't. Of course not, he didn't. He simply what? Put his trust in God. This is all about putting our trust in God. Jerry Bridges' book, Trusting God, Even When Life Hurts. It's about trusting God, no matter what. It's uh, obviously, it's the essence of faith. You've got to have faith. Because without faith, it says it's impossible to please God. You've got to believe the Word of God. You've got to believe Him. And what He speaks, that what He says is true. And He's either God or He's not. And He is. He's over all authority. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, don't be anxious about anything. What does anything mean? Anything. But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard means garrison. means it's like a fortress around your innermost being. Do you believe that? He said, don't be anxious to anything. I know none of you are the type of people to get anxious about anything in here. So I'm preaching, obviously, to somebody else, but not to y'all. I know that. Y'all don't have anxiety about anything. You're not worried about anything. You're just coasting through life. Everything is good. But please listen and obviously uh, be positive about this message, please. No, the truth of the matter, matter is we all face that, don't we? Don't be anxious about anything. But with prayer and supplication means to pray about that situation. With thanksgiving, thanking God ahead of time. Well, I don't see the results. God says, thank me. Thank me even now. Why? It's because he's going to answer somehow. And what does he say? He says, I may not answer it the way that you want to, but I will give you the peace that passes all understanding. How many of us, when we remember this scripture in Philippians chapter 4, would get a whole lot better off instead of worrying and fretting and obviously discouragement and all these this stuff that we go through in life. We would just pray and thank Him. Say, Lord, thank You for this already. I don't see anything happening. In fact, Lord, these things are like ripples. Here they come. And I still thank You because I'm praying and I'm going to ask You and I'm going to seek You. And God says, I'll give you peace in the midst of the storm. That's what He promises us. And so knowing this gives us great peace and comfort. Trying to understand doesn't give up peace. You know why we struggle? It's because we try to figure it all out. Why? It's because what happens? We shift out of the faith arena. And we begin to obviously look at the circumstances and we begin to say, well, this looks real bad. Jim doesn't know how bad my circumstances are. You know, you're talking about this and that. No, I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about how who does know your circumstances that you can come and cast all of your cares on Him because He cares for you. That's the Word of God. You can do that. And it works every time. Second of all, it motivates us to pray. If God is in control, then it makes sense to pray because we're talking to the one who has the power to make changes. We need to pray. Pray. God, please, change this situation. If he doesn't, he'll give us the grace to go through it. But sometimes he will change this thing. We need to pray. How about this? Lobbyists, 
give hundreds of thousands of dollars to, in campaign contributions to senators and congressmen. We know that. Every election cycle. Why? It's because they think they can buy votes? Maybe. But, obviously, perhaps. But in most cases, I think they're buying access. They want to know that when an issue comes up that they care about, that they'll have be able to get an audience there. They'll have somebody who will listen, this particular person there of lobbying for. They want the opportunity to make their case directly to the one who has the power to make the change they desire. A lobbyist. Think about this. We have access to one that is above all of the lobbyists. And we can petition him. And we can ask him. And we can obviously uh, seek his face too. Because he's over the lobbyists. He's over all, right? We've established that. And he wants us to know that go to the highest authority. His name is Jesus. And petition him and ask him for these things that we need. Is it finances you have problems with? Go to the one that can handle it. Is it health issues you can go to? Go to the one that can handle it. Is it salvation for your family members that you're worried about? Go to the one that can obviously take care of it. That's what it's all about. Because he's all powerful. We, what do we do? We try to work it out ourselves and we always go with all this self-help stuff before we go to the one that can take care of it. And then finally, we are wasted away and finally we go, well, I better pray about it. Isn't that what happens? We need to pray. Go to the one that can do something about it. Third here, is the knowledge of God's sovereignty gives us security, confidence, knowing that no one can do anything to us without God's permission. All powers come from God here. Remember this? Y'all know the story. And we're getting ready to talk about it because of Easter. But in John 19, 10 through 11, and Jesus is saying, uh, actually Pilate here, do you refuse to speak to me? Remember, he was actually, he had a, he could make the decision to send Jesus to, to, the, uh, to the cross here. And so Pilate says, he's talking to Jesus. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate asked, don't you realize I have power either to, free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Ooh. Do you know? You think, obviously, men carried out that. And we have sinned. We obviously put Jesus on the cross. You go, I wasn't there at that. We've all sinned. And so that sin, obviously, when we did, they put Jesus on the cross. And yet, in spite of that, he died for our sins. He took the sins of the world upon him. And he took my sins and your sins for the whole world. And he just offers it freely. Pilate said, don't you know, I got power over you. Jesus said, you don't have any power over me that my father does not allow. You see, actually, we're talking about here. It was by God's set purpose that Jesus would go to the Calvary. Aren't you, uh, go to the cross. Wouldn't that, isn't that great today? Aren't you thankful that he did? If he didn't send Jesus to the cross to die for my sins and your sins, we would still be in our sins. I'm so grateful for the cross. I'm so grateful for the resurrection. He didn't stay in that grave. He arose on the third day. And that is truth. That's not a myth. That's not something passed down through history. That obviously, it is reality. Our God, His name is Jesus, is that He went to the cross and I'm so thankful today that God had that set purpose. In Jeremiah 32, you all know that all oh, sovereign Lord, 
You've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. We sing a song. Nothing is too difficult for you. Out here, I've listened to a song now, it's contemporary Christian, and it says, even the impossible is possible with you. It's in the lyrics of that song. Even the impossible is possible with you. So, is anything too hard from God? Hard for God? What does it mean? First of all, God's powerful enough to take care of us. He's powerful enough to take care of your bank account. Do you believe that? He's powerful enough to take care of your relationships. He's powerful enough to take care of whatever it is that is obviously a, a burr in your saddle right now. He's powerful enough. That's what that means, you see. Second of all, he's able to keep his promises. And let me give you one idea here of really the most important promise. He says he can keep us until that day. when we, we go to heaven to be with him. That is a promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's able to do that. He keeps his promise. And saying, as you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He's able to keep you. He's able to hold you close and know that He can carry you safely over to the other side. You see, Cherry went safely into the arms of Jesus. You know, old-timers will call it crossing over to the other side. In that time of crossing, I believe, obviously, God gives us grace. And I don't know what happens when that takes place. I just believe that my God, who is awesome, will obviously do it perfectly. He never makes a mistake. He's never disrupted in what He wants to do. He has promised us eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we are secure. Isn't that good news, church? That is wonderful news. Those of us who are listening to this today, He obviously keeps His promises. The third thing, God's powerful enough to change us, change our lives here. Nothing is too difficult for Him. Whatever it may be, God will repair broken relationships, broken dreams. God can heal us where we've been wounded. He can bring forgiveness where there's only anger and bitterness. He can, he can bring repentance where there's only hardness and stubbornness. He can obviously cure addictions and obviously this self-destructive patterns that we're in. He can do that, you see. He gives us freedom from our slavery to sin, the blessing here. God's worthy of our trust, amen? He is worthy here of our confidence. In Jude chapter 1, verse 20 through 24 through 25, the, the book of Jude. Now, now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. <laughs> Whoa. A single fault? Okay. All glory to him who, uh, uh, who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, all glory, majesty, power, and authority are His before all time, is in the present, and be all time, beyond all time. Amen. He can, he can do that. Who is able to do that? And you go, yeah, but I got a lot of faults here. I got a lot of stuff. He says that He can bring you into the presence of God without fault. That's what He says. And then I'll pray. I pray every day for God's power in my life because I need that. I need power to overcome sin. I need power to, obviously, I try to crucify self every day and walk uh, and take up my cross daily. But obviously, self is that old nature that raises its head up. It will never be any better until we get to heaven. You wonder why that comes up. It doesn't get any. You're born again because the Spirit of God has come and has taken up residence in your spirit, man. But obviously, that old nature is still there. And when we get to heaven, 
We won't have to worry about that. Obviously, it is that uh, soulish thing. Our mind, our will, and our emotions, certainly. Ephesians chapter 1, which I read earlier, which I pray. Y'all can take your scripture and, and memorize it if you like and pray it to the Lord. And I pray this, Lord, that you would impart the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I would know you better. I want to know him better. And the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened to know the hope to which you've called us. The hope of the Lord Jesus. Obviously, and the hope of Jesus here. And obviously, the one that's been taken and set at the right hand of the Father. That power, the same power there that is there. I pray for that power. I say, Lord, I need power to overcome sin today. I need power to minister in your power. I need power to love people the way you love people. I need power to be able to do as you've called me to do. We need that power every day. You can ask for it, you know, and we can use it according to his will. The second prayer there is in Ephesians chapter 3. And I ask the Lord, strengthen my inner man with all power that I'll know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that I would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then it says, well, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Amen. Strengthen my inner man. Because up here we know Jesus and his love. Jesus loves me, this I know. But he wants us to experience his love. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Strengthen me with that power, Lord. Don't you want that today? His power. We need God's power. Ask for it. And so whose power are you trusting in today? Is there confidence in your own experience? Or have you said, I surrender all. I just give my life to Jesus. I want to know him because I want to know that power that you give so abundantly, obviously. Maybe you've been burned by trusting others. You've decided that you'll be strong and not depend on anyone else, but, but you can't get strong enough. Sooner or later, you'll come crashing down. Why not put it in God's hands? Ask for his power, whatever it is. He gives it and he wants to give it to us because he said, you know, the eyes of our heart will be enlightened with all power and in and, and our innermost being here. Maybe you've been trusting somebody else's strength, whoever it may be. Whoever. All those uh, may work for a while, but ultimately they all fail. Only God is worthy of our ultimate trust and confidence. God says, don't forget, I'm a, obviously, I'm gracious, compassionate, but I'm all-powerful. You have that power as Christians. Your believer today, listening to this or here in the congregation, you have the power living within you to say no to temptation, to say yes to Jesus. You have the power, as we learned in Sunday school, to serve other people, to do that, to step out in faith, out of your comfort zone, and say, I'm going to pray for this person, or I'm going to bless this person, because see, we're here to bless one another anyway. That's why we're here. And so I, I have that power in my life. And I want that power in my life, Lord. And it's there for the asking. Much of what happens in the kingdom of God is by asking. Asking it shall be given. Seeking you shall find. Knocking it will be opened. And then it goes on to say, it's an imperative, a continual. Keep asking. Keep seeking. You keep knocking. God Almighty is working in your life. And you're going to see great things in, in the future. You watch what happens in each person here and what you're seeing through live streaming. Watch, God is going to work in your life, not because of anything I've said or anything, but because of God's love for you and what he wants to do in your life. God is up to something big, folks. And we all want to get in on it. We want to be a part of it. And we want to give God the glory and the praise forever and ever. Amen? I just offer an invitation to you. If you've never accepted Christ, the day may be the day. 
that you just open your heart and say, Lord, I need a savior. I need a surgeon, as this song sang that we sang. I need a friend. I need a savior to come into my life and save me. And to obviously come in and give me the abundant life that your word promises. That's what the word of God says. So today, if that's the case, you can just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe that you are the savior of the world. That you came and died for my sins. And I need you to come in and forgive me of my sins. And be my savior and my Lord. If there's anybody watching this today, today would be the day that you do that. And that you surrender your life and say, I give up. I've tried and tried and I've leaned on other people. But today I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. God has a plan. And God wants to bless us. He's he's the blessor. And he wants to bless us in a mighty way. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your presence. And Lord, your word is so precious. We pray today. Just as you have spoken, that your word is living and active, that, Lord, it would convict our hearts, that whatever the need may be, that you would wash over us with the word of God. Be able to say, oh, gosh, this is God and I want to know him and I want to get to to walk with him every day and have communion and fellowship with him. Thank you, Father, for salvation that comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here today. We just look forward to even seeing you next week, but I pray you'll have a blessed week. I do believe you're going to have a blessed week. You got to go forth believing that God has something in store for you. It's called prevenient grace. He's already in tomorrow working things out for you. Believe it. Believe God has plans and he's never vacating the premises. He's always with us. Talk to him, ask him, seek him, and know him because he desires that and he will reveal himself. Thank you for watching today. God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Amen.